Hey everyone, it's Dario Kristen with AfterBuzz TV. Did you know that TrueCar.com is changing car buying experiences forever? Yes, everyday TrueCar users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Although, some features are not available in all states. But it's okay. In the first three months of this year, over 126,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,078 off of MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these easy steps. It's just three of them. First, you go to TrueCar.com and find out what other people pay for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. The third step is so simple. Just print out your true savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience overall. Remember, everyday TrueCar users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Save time, save your money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Masters of Sex After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Masters of Sex After Show. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back. Season 2, Episode 5, Giants, Masters of Sex. I am your host, Jenna Couture, and tonight I have the absence of Spicy. She is out for the next couple weeks, but I still have two great hosts here. Roya. Woo woo! Hello! Don't even, don't even worry about her. She's tweeting. Oh, she's oh, tweeting. I was like, what are you going to do? You throw me under a bus of some sort? Well, no, she's but... tweeting about the show. Yes. So if you're on Twitter right now, yes. tweet Roya. Okay. At a, hey, Roya. Hey, Roya. Hi. Hey. And then we've got Bobby, our amazing and so charming Gemini perspective. Oh, male perspective. Thank you. I don't know how to say thank you or <laughs> walk out on this Gemini thing. Just stay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. So tonight we had, I feel like we had a really good episode. It was kind of all around. So let's get started. Uh, the first thing that we see as we kind of uh, step into this is... Um, Libby is over at a uh, stops by Virginia's house and asks about, um, asks Jenny. She kind of feels her out. It's like she stops over late at night asking Jenny whether she's given notice and, you know, just trying to, I felt like she was trying to feel her out for something there, not just, um, to see if she had given notice, but to kind of feel, uh, Virginia out to see if she was giving, um, Dr. Masters support. Yeah. Well, I thought she was trying to. I feel like Libby might know a little bit of something that's going on. I was going to say the same thing. I think Libby Libby's... knows about the real world, you guys. No, you guys. <laughs> Libby is a woman of the world. A worldly a woman. Because yeah. <laughs> she made a comment to uh, Virginia about how I was just driving, trying to get little John to go to sleep, and we just ended up at your doorstep. To me, that sounds like a suspicious woman. Random. You know, if I were yeah. her and I had an idea, I'd be like, hmm. And then all the questions with uh, Masters, about Masters to Virginia, about, oh, mm-hmm. You've been working with him, you you know, and she just kept going off. Right. Well, and Libby, um, in the book, it does not to spoil anything because this is not spoiling anything. This is true to the book in that Libby and Virginia were friends, like, raising their kids, like, for a long time before 
you know, whatever happened, mm-hmm. um, they were friends and like their kids, Dr. Masters kids called her, you know, Aunt Lip, uh, Aunt Jenny. Oh, so. That's so weird. I know. It's brutal is what it is. It's not <laughs> yeah. even weird. It's brutal. It it's, is. It it's is like, brutal. It's like, it's like Maury, you know, yeah. the TV show. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Yeah. And then um, it goes right over to Virginia and Dr. Masters discussing the offer. And Virginia, I mean, so ahead of her time is like, hey, I want it in writing. I want my title, my salary. You can't just expect me to go over to this hospital with you. Don't get all excited. You know, I haven't even, I don't even know what I'm walking out of with Dr. DePaul. You know, I have to, you know, I don't have the luxury of just, you know, Hopping hospital to hospital. Yeah. So, go Jenny. Which, by the way, she just left right after Libby went straight to see Masters for their naughty time. And same outfit and everything. And it's like, oh, and then he slides the key. I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Going straight for dessert, as Virginia <laughs> said. Right. But what did you guys think when he slid her the key? Did you think he was antsy to go have sex? Or do you think he was actually doing the whole proposing this is the key to your office. I thought I thought he was serious. I have written down good for Virginia for standing up for herself in that way what you were talking about Jenna that she should have done something like that. Yeah. with Bill. But I think he was for all the times that he's a little sleazy, let's call him what he is. It's sleazy what he's doing. It's cheating. Totes, it's bad. Cheesy. Um, she's taking sleazy. notes. It's <laughs> okay and taking sleazy. notes. Cheating and sleazy. <laughs> Turns into cheesy. But uh, good for her for standing up for herself. And but so, I think yeah. on this particular case he this was about as professional as he was going to get with her in that hotel room. He mm-hmm. he meant it when he said this is your office, here's your job offer, whatever. You know, how about the, the difference in like labor expectations and labor laws from that era even mm-hmm. to today just a couple decades where it's almost unheard of for him to to have her job in writing. Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays you'd never take a job like that without writing. It's like of course it's going to be in writing. You're going to sign something, but back then what are you talking about? Why would you want to right. write it? Exactly. You know? And that kind of sets a tone for um, this episode, I think. And um, and so, and then it kind of flashes over to um, Betty and Jean, you know, and I like that they're becoming kind of, um, what is it, side characters, plot, plot, or plot, a, strong, a strong plot B, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like they are, you know, I'm interested and I care about their characters. I really like both of them. And they, um, Betty is like singing to Gene and trying to act funny and trying to seduce him and they you know approach talking about adoption you know because he's still not sleeping with her we don't know if he I thought I honestly thought he was going to ask for a divorce I never thought he was going to ask for a divorce but there's an interesting thing that Betty said here to Gene I don't remember the exact words but she said come on don't freeze me out Talk to me about adoption, yell and scream, throw things, slam the door, mm-hmm. but don't freeze me out. And I know we all do this in relationships, not to get like a psychologist, because you certainly know more about this than I do. But that's an interesting idea Dr. of like, Bobby. I understand what Betty's talking about, because we all have a tendency to do this, I'm sure, at points. Oh, yeah. Silent treatment is the worst. And it's mm-hmm. not fair, man. It's brutal and immature and passive aggressive and the worst thing to do. So uh, when Betty said that, I was like, you know what? I'm with you, girl. I Don't freeze me out. With you, hundred percent, Betty. I have been freezed out. Yeah, and I, and I have done the freezing. Believe me, <laughs> I've been frozen out, freezed <laughs> out by a Gemini. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. Whether you, whether you, we've all gotten freezed out, mm-hmm. and we've all done the freezing out. Yeah. Let's just call it what it's it is. Easier Every, to freeze out than everybody yeah. has. You just have if you're an adult, but that doesn't make it right. And when Betty said that, I was like, hmm. Interesting. Another perspective here. Maybe I learned something about relationships. Oh, I like it. I like it. We're growing as we're watching this show. I like it. Um, And then we see – so that that, that story is kind of going, which is really nice to see. And then we see – 
Virginia and Dr. DePaul at the hospital, and we see them. Great scene. Great scene. Amazing. <laughs> this is the first time Dr. DePaul has really confronted Virginia on her affair with Masters. And one thing I and one thing I really liked was her calling it out. And um, Virginia's like, you know, it's unorthodox. Me being in us being in the study, you know. And she goes. Um, and Dr. DePaul goes, oh, you think because you're just taking notes that's <laughs> okay? Like, is that how he's laying it out to you? Or can you be any stupider? And she was like, she's obviously, like, visibly upset, leaves, storms out, you know, because Dr. DePaul's like, did you think I was going to give you my study you really didn't want? This is what I love about Virginia is that she knows that there's a conflict, there's an issue. She goes head first into it, but she does it very calmly, and she just attacks, but calmly and then yeah it was just i love that about virginia and i love how um dr paul was not hesitant about anything that she said she spat out the truth and was like yeah if you open your legs yeah most women you don't have to open your legs to get a leg up who who fights like and then makes up like we saw libby or or like we saw lillian and virginia do today who fights like that friends do or sisters you fight and you say horrible things to each other that you may or may not mean in the mm-hmm. heat of battle, and then you know that you can work it out together. And yeah. they did this today. Their relationship, the last couple episodes, I'm kind of thinking, okay, Virginia's going to leave Lillian. Lillian has issues. They're, they're kind of at each other's throats. Something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and if we had just seen this blow-up fight, we would have said, that's it. Lillian and Virginia yeah. are done. But then what happens later with taking her to her appointments, with I Lillian know, calling it's so her? Sweet. It's it's two sisters that are in it for thick and thin, and whether they've said it to each it's, other or not. Yeah, and two people that really don't have anyone else. Exactly. Like Virginia, really. I mean, she's got her kids, but she doesn't have another adult. And they and, and they're kind of in a relationship where and nobody apologized to anybody. They just sort of looked at each other, and you could almost see in the looks later on in this episode. They're like, "It's okay. Yeah, we shouldn't have done what we did. I'm sorry. I'm here. I'm here. Let's just be together and figure it out." That's like what sisters do. I think. Or brothers. Yeah. No, I like, it was, I like I like the way they're I like, you know, in seeing a season two of any season, you see all their relationships grow a little bit stronger and stuff like that. So I've definitely really enjoyed seeing theirs. Yeah. Um and then we flash really quick and briefly and we get introduced to Helen, who is played by Sarah Silverman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And what oh, yeah. how does she get involved with Jean? What is she what she was like reading the house? Oh, because she's a psychic, so she was trying to Reach out to his dog. I assume. Well, well, I assume. Obviously, she came over to say, you know, I'm Betty's old friend or whatever, yeah. and then just use the energy channeling to get in. Um, but she was reaching out to an old ghost named Paul. Oh, that's right. Or yeah. Saul. Or Saul. Yes. And she could have been making the whole thing up, and she probably was. Yeah. But she just wanted something to get in or whatever. But that was a great scene. That was a really funny scene between the four. The, the, yeah, the, the four of them, if we count the ghost, is part yeah, of the yeah. Scene. Right. <laughs> right. And then um, then we go, which has been kind of a neat in a scene. We go over to Virginia, goes over to see Dr. Masters at work. And while he's at Bueller's, is somebody saying that right, Bueller's? And she asks him, they have an interesting conversation where she's like, hey, now that we have this place, is the study, you know, us? He's like, you know, where would you like it to take place? At the hospital here or where? And she's like, I'm hoping there's a third option, which is to stop. And I, I mean, when, when she, you know, you know, asked that, I was like, okay, she has no feelings for him. She really was just doing this for the study. And she, um, and he said, no, your employment does not hinge, you know, like hinge over that. And then he quickly, you know, picked him back up and he was like, actually, yes, yes, it is. It is part of the study. Cause she was like, okay, well then I would like to stop. And he cut her off and he was like, no, it is. It's part of the job. Yeah. I think. 
one thing I think you're you may be wrong about. I think she does have feelings for him. And I, I don't know. I I just that's the first time the I first, picked, that oh, that I picked up, and I'm like, wow, does she not? Or but I think even in that point, it was it was, and I'm reading it differently than you. But to me personally, it was obvious she did have feelings for him because. She is freezing him out in the same way. This is the way she freezes him out. And this is her way of saying, I feel so strongly for you that if it's just about the study or if we're just having sex and I feel like I'm being used and I'm not appreciated in the study and I'm not appreciated personally, Mm -hmm. I can't do this anymore because it hurts too bad. That's the subtext of what she was saying to me. And she feels for him so strongly that if she's without the study and without the romantic side, whatever that may be, Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to even – she can't put herself out there. I feel like this would have never come up unless her and Dr. Paul got into a fight because I feel that it's Lillian's argument saying that, oh, because of the note-taking, that's why. And I feel – Libby – damn these letters. (laughs) Virginia is trying to prove she's wrong. Yeah. Lily is wrong. <laughs> I, I, I guess, but but I think Virginia would only want to prove she's wrong to Lily, because Virginia. Right, and Bill but this is a so... way to prove her wrong. Is if she got the title and she didn't even have to have sex, she can come back and be like, "Look, I'm not having sex anymore." See, it was about the study, so therefore you're wrong. I guess, but... and then mic drop. <laughs> but does, okay, <laughs> but does Virginia care enough to even go back to Lillian at that point? Would she have even gone back? Well, Master said it was part of the job, so yeah. she. Can't go back and say anything. Exactly. No, no, I, I understand that, but I'm saying I'm not even sure she would have gone back and dropped the mic. We won't know Lillian. because it didn't happen. That, that's very true. <laughs> Can't change the storyline, Bobby. Right, and so <laughs> then after, so later that night when they meet up in the hotel, he starts to undress right after he's told her, like, yes, this is mandatory. It's part of your job, and she's like, he's like, well, aren't you going to take off your clothes? And she's like, ah, uh, no, I don't want to. So it, I don't know. It just kind of. It was a weird tone to it. So she makes him strip and and him masturbate, which is so funny because she's totally got him by the balls. She totally has a way with him. Interesting yes. choice of words. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have we all been there? And so she makes him strip and she goes, you know, what are you thinking about? You know, you've got your eyes closed. Is that normal? You know, like she's really taking notes. And then uh, he tells her, and we all wanted it. And she's like, you know, what are you thinking about? And he said to you. And she stopped it. And it was like that's when it officially turned into an affair. You know, she stopped it. And then he went down on her. And then I'm sure they had sex. You know, like left it up to our imagination. So you you think that was a big line crossing? Oh, for sure. Today, more than more than what's gone on before when yeah. they've been yeah. dancing around emotions. I, I, I agree. I definitely think that crossed over the line of Something it actually changed. being an affair versus it being the test, being and, all about the study. And you can tell it did because when they went into the office the next day and they come to work, they're both a little awkward, like they're maybe having an affair. Mm-hmm. You know, and they haven't really had moments of awkwardness like that but it's weird because now they're sitting right next to each other and they can see each other 100 percent. so it's you know i miss doug Greathouse. no you don't oh i do no you've got I dr really hendrix do. now though yeah dr hendrix is cool we'll talk about him later yeah. but <laughs> i miss doug Greathouse. i just when you were talking about coming to the office having the affair i was thinking about barbara the other secretary and whatever <laughs> doug was doing with her and then i just started thinking about doug and i just i miss In the doug back Greathouse. door oh i miss doug Greathouse. oh <laughs> sorry well, it's okay uh, to miss him. Uh, and get then out of here, get, Bobby. Stop no. freezing me out, Doug Greathouse. <laughs> Come back. And then we get um, Libby in the morning before Coral gets to work. Gets a stop by from Robert, Coral's boyfriend. And he speaks to Libby and says, hey, look, 
you, you know, you know, usually Coral says every day is fine. The other day wasn't. That's not okay with me. And we're going to keep this between you and me. And, you know, kind of lays down some boundary lines with her. And she was a little startled by it, like anybody would, you know, and kind of gives her a warning, which I think is, you know, if I'm Coral's, if I'm Coral and my boyfriend did that, I'm just like, even though that's slightly unprofessional in like 2014, I think that's great that he did that in that time. You know, like he stood up for his girl and I thought it was really sweet. I think it's also dangerous though because that could have lost her her job. Well, not only that, yeah, that's part of it, but putting the race aside, you have a a big man, you know, putting the racial issue of that time period aside and that's going to factor in. Yeah. But let's let's take that aside. You have a large man coming to confront a woman alone in a home who she doesn't know. It's a total stranger situation. He's aggressive with her and does kind of threaten her without saying he's going to threaten her. And I don't know if it was physical violence, but there was something there that was aggressive. It was a that was stern warning. Passive aggressive. And, and, it was, and if I'm Coral, I'm saying, hey, not only could I lose my job, this is not the way to do it. This is not the way to be professional. And maybe this isn't the most mature way to defend me. Now, at the same time, if you're Coral, I think you kind of also get... I don't want to say turned on by it, but I think you do get a little, uh, you know, amped by it because you do appreciate the defense from somebody who no questions has your back. That's yeah. an important thing. So yeah. are you questioning if that was the right thing for him to do boyfriend-wise? I think it was the wrong thing for him to do, but I can understand it. We don't know how Coral feels about this, really, because we didn't talk to – we didn't see Coral's reaction to this too much yet. I I can understand if she would support that decision. I can understand him supporting her, but ultimately, I think it's the wrong thing to do. I think we. I have to disagree. I think we did see her reaction towards it. it when uh, when Libby confronts her in her bedroom, in that scene. Do we though? We I, do. It's just until Libby steps up on her high horse and yeah. says, "I don't think you should really be seeing that boy." And you know he seems angry and dangerous. And well, they goes, live Whoa. together, which is a totally. It's a different dynamic. I understand that, and they sleep in one bed, and the master <laughs> sleep in two. I get that. I don't know if we saw so much Coral's. Maybe I maybe I said this wrong. We saw Coral's reaction to Libby about that. We never saw her reaction with Robert. I would have loved to have gone home with Coral. On that's, a scene. but that's my point. I don't think Coral would have cared as much because he had her back. Oh, I know that. So I feel because she feels powerless of where she is. She can't say anything. She can't do anything. I feel that that's why she wouldn't argue with him. I think she thought he was okay with that. Okay. Or she was okay with him doing that. I disagree, but okay. Oh, I think Coral was okay with him doing it, too. You think she was not okay with it? I think she could have been not okay. I don't know. I think she's strong enough and smart enough on her own. No, but if you had to choose, if you were a betting man. If I'm a betting man, I say she's not okay with it. She's an independent girl. She's intelligent. She's smart. I think she liked it. In a way, I think she liked it. But in another way, I think she would – this is the kind of thing she would take him aside. And we're just speculating about the whole thing. But this is the kind of thing she'd take him aside and say, that's not cool. That's not the way Okay, but listen. He even says when they have conversation, how was your day? Oh, it was fine. It was fine. That's all she says to him until she was forced under a faucet. Sorry, I don't know why I air quoted it. But she was forced under a faucet. Therefore, that's something she changed her mind to tell him. That's kind of like a, not a cry for help, but that's an ask, like asking for help with the situation. She's powerless. I understand she has for help, but but my point is, she could have just said it was okay. Is not the help that she wanted, and it proves the fact that Robert put her on the bus, drove over, and then told Libby, "Don't." I was never here. Don't tell Coral because even Robert. That, that was, was the wrong for thing Libby's to do. sake. If she wanted to not tell her, uh, no, no. Robert told her not to. Tell yeah, he said. And he he's gonna, say, and for, he no, he said for your case, I'm not going to tell her that I no, came no, but, by. No, he said, and I'm going to keep this between you, exactly. and you're going to keep this between right, us. But that was a very passive aggressive. But I okay. think I think I think that alone. Sorry, proves, guys. <laughs> that alone proves that he knew what he was doing was wrong. It was it right in some ways. Yes, was it wrong in others? Yes, it's not. If I was core, I would not be upset. In 2014, I would be a little upset. 
1959, 50, between, I mean, I'm not sure. Now I'm lost without the book. You know, I think we might actually be in the 1960s right now. Um, I might be, like, okay with it. Because it's different. It's a different time. Women were taken, not taken advantage of, but women were obviously looked down upon. So if another woman, I just think a man power would be a good way to tell Libby to shut up and watch what you're doing. That's oh, all. okay. I'm just okay. saying. I'm okay. Just, but okay. I think you and I are on the same page, though. We're, yeah. we're on the same page. You need to go. <laughs> Bobby uh, needs to go. I'm, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Bobby I can't needs help to right. be yeah. charming. I can't help being alone when being right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and so then we go back to the office. And now Virginia, now that they're starting their study up again at their the colored um, hospital, um, they're wondering if they should separate the patients, you know, that they have now. And... Um, Dr. Masters is like, no, absolutely not. Physiologically, they're both the same. They should be put in the same, you know, study. That's it. You know, and I love the the stance that Dr. Masters is taking. I thought she was taking that a different route, but never mind. <laughs> I didn't think like it was more the separation. Uh, well, never mind. I don't, never mind. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> to be continued. Um, Sorry. And then... Uh, uh, so Libby, um, okay, so then we go home and Libby, okay, this is, we don't see this very often, but Libby is talking to Dr. Masters. He's reading something in the dark, as we saw. Yeah, who, hold on. Middle-aged men don't just read in With dim glasses. light. With yeah. glasses. Middle-aged men in don't the dark. read in dim light. That's one of those unbelievable... Dr. Masters is kind of like a superhero. I'm sure he can do anything. <laughs> there, I'm sure he doesn't even need the glasses. There are two... Um, <laughs> All for show. Acting-wise or 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 uh, production-wise, there were two things I didn't like in this episode. Very subtle. The first one, I don't know if you guys noticed, when Masters gave the key to Virginia in the hotel, in the, in the lobby area, mm-hmm. and he gets up to order a drink... It looked so fake to me that you knew he was just looking offset. Did you notice his face? Oh there? yeah, 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 yeah. It looked yeah. Like he just got up to order a drink and he just kind of looked offset for a while and he's like, "Uh, he kind of mailed it in there." Yeah, and that this, was that. There was missing. It was something missing. was weird, and it was only for like half a second, but something was weird. The other one was this. Take it from me, dealing with my father and all of you who I'm sure have seen middle-aged guys. Don't read in the dark in dim light. <laughs> it's physically impossible. But here's the comparison, though. It could be just like how uh, Virginia was in a chair testing Masters. It could have been Masters having the power again with Libby. No, I understand, I the, com- that, okay. I understand the metaphorical comparison. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I okay. think absolutely. And that's a great point. I didn't but you just think wanted about him to have more I light. I just mean, like, like just logistically. Like, the moon you need was a out that light. night, Bobby. The moon was out. You know, <laughs> just like so tonight is a super so moon. <laughs> so weird. So then, um, so Libby was like, you know, sometimes when couples fight, they oh. um, make up with sex. That's very but true. Before we continue with this, this is, came up because of her and Coral. Oh, right. We They're all about that. Yeah. Yeah. So Coral was saying how when she has sex with her boyfriend, with Robert, that it's just there's some there's a lot to it. The breathing, you just feel it. You know what I mean? That's what she says to Libby. Sorry, I translated it that way. <laughs> no, she did. And they had it was an interesting place to have the discussion. It was in their bedroom. Mm-hmm. And then Coral totally was like, let me make this bed and I'll make your bed. And do you want to make Dr. Yeah. Master's bed after you that? You being a woman of the world and all. Yeah. So, sort of her so own I mean, Coral's back standing up for herself in her own way. Maybe she doesn't even need Robert. Um, and then, uh, so, but Libby pretty much asked Dr. Master's for sex. And... So he was like, you know, are you upset with me? What's wrong? And she was like, yeah, I am actually a little. And they ended up having sex, and um, it was completely not passionate. You know, Livy looked like she had tears in her mm-hmm. eyes. Yeah. Like, it just wasn't anything. 
when we were watching this, I, was, I said out loud, oh, she's not feeling it like Coral's feeling it with Robert. And she knows deep down, she knows no that eye her, contact. Yeah. If you're, if you're Dr. Masters and you know as much as you know about sex. He I'm, asked. Here's the thing. He was trying to help her. Here's the thing. Just agree with me on this. You'll see. I know that he is not as physically attracted to his wife as he is Virginia. And there's all these other issues. But you can't miss out on the makeup sex, man. There's a window for this makeup sex. You cannot miss out on this. I see Jenna's paying attention. <laughs> you can't miss out on the makeup sex. He missed it. Of course it was bad because it became pity sex because she begged him for it. And then he had to say yes. And who wins in that situation? Nobody. Nobody wins. But she did, he didn't even know that he was having makeup sex. He didn't even know that that yeah. was in order. The best part of makeup sex is when you're both upset, ready to make up. But, Which but we anytime, see with him in Virginia when they had the, exactly. the hotel room. Anytime, anytime she says makeup sex, as a man, you just got to be like, we were fighting. All right. You know, like, <laughs> like, that's where you got to go. You wanted a male perspective. That's a male perspective. Okay. I appreciate I that. I should be charging you money for that. <laughs> Send me the bill. Send it to Brulee. <laughs> Um, Okay, and so then we have, which is sad that she has to ask for sex, but anyways. Um, Then we see Ginny, or Virginia, taking Dr. DePaul to the hospital, just more on their friendship building. Um, And then Masters finds out... He, they have an altercation, right? Because he's got now, you know, white patients going to the colored hospital. There was an altercation in the waiting room, and um, he went to separate it and ended up getting hit. And so Libby's actually taking care of him at home, fixing his eye. And she tells him that Robert stops by and says that he, you know, almost threatened her. And Dr. Masters was, was wondering, you know, why? Why would that happen? And she was like, well, because I, you know, washed her hair. She said she wouldn't do it, and so I, I made her. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Masters is, like, being looped in on this and not happy about it at all and not taking Libby's side and saying, you know what, you owe that guy an apology. And what I really liked about – no, he said to for Coral, too. Yeah. And what I really liked about Masters, he actually did care for Libby for a second when he found out that there was a man threatening her yeah. at the doorstep. He stood up like a husband, and I really – I admired that. I was like, wow. So Masters is still feeling his marriage or friendship, whatever it is that he has with Libby. Yeah. And that was great. But then she says to him, I'm defending you. What do you, I haven't done anything wrong. What are you defending me for? That's one of his lines. Yeah. And so I wonder if that ties into – I just want to know why Libby thinks she's defending him. Is it from everyone else that she doesn't get to see because he keeps her in? I, I think – Yes, you just hit it on the head. Not to psychoanalyze Libby because we can't, but let's do it because it's fun. Um, <laughs> Libby, Libby, get away. <laughs> Libby is in. No, you'll agree with me on this. You both will. Have you ever moved to a new city or been going through something where you're alone for a little bit, even if it's like a week or something, and you really are alone for a while? You can get in your own head about everything. When you're around people, when you're busy, when you're doing stuff, you just kind of go along and don't whatever. Libby is so alone and so socially isolated that she's in her own head about Everything. And everything becomes a bigger deal than it is. And the Robert thing was rightfully a big deal. But everything gets blown out of proportion anyways now because she's so isolated and so alone that Masters has an entire life outside the home. Everyone else does. Libby does not. Coral even has more of a life outside the home than Libby does. Libby does not. And so everything gets worked over in her head because she has hours and hours and hours to think about it. So everything is going to be a bigger deal. And she says it to Robert. She's like, when you have a baby, everything gets blown out of proportion. It's in all the books. 
That may be true, but you are socially isolated. That's why things are getting out of blown out of proportion. Yeah. That's in the book. Right. That's a good point. Thank you, Bobby. You're welcome. Noted. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Me too. Because my words for Libby are lost because of how she acts, and I, that was a very. You no, know, like she the way. is a she is a product of her environment. You know, mm-hmm. she is you know acting weird and bizarre because she's being froze out from pretty much everybody and she's got nobody and when you've got nobody and you're she's isolated Johnny no but she's not <laughs> I think she needs to go when she was trying to make do with the last set of wives at mm-hmm. the last hospital the great great house I want to see her do that with the wives of the black doctors at this hospital that'd be interesting yeah probably will never happen <laughs> never know if she can be even with coral and be nice to coral maybe it'll happen Anyways. Maybe. And so then we go over to um, the double date with Jean and Betty, right? With and so Al, yeah. With Helen. And so that's an interesting time because now we know that Betty and Helen were previous lovers, right? And here they are at this um, dinner. And so they uh, Helen reveals a story about, you know, betting on a beautiful Betty, a horse named Beautiful Betty, whose odds were slim to none, and she bet on that. And it was kind of a, it was a, definitely a romantic gesture to let Betty know that someone's always betting on her. And so they have that story, and then it, like, ends in tragedy, and then they, the horse gets shot, which I'm not even sure if the horse did get shot. Well, I don't know if they were just, like, making that up. I don't think the horse ever existed. Yeah, I think it was a whole fake. And they were laughing because the men were taking it and actually believing their story when they're – when mm-hmm. um, wow, I just draw a blank. What's her name? <laughs> Helen. 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 When Helen is trying to confess that I still love you. Yeah. Let's, and they're thinking it's a different story. Let's not forget about Helen and Betty, the jobs that they have done, the lives yeah. that they have led before Gene and Al – these these two girls are hustlers and they're con men and they're I'm not saying they're full on criminals and evil and stuff but but you got to con people to do the things that they were doing so this is just them working another con yeah. there oh, may really? there may not be like money at the end or whatever it is but they're they're just you know riffing off each other working another con it was fun to watch it was heartbreaking though when they were on the streets and talking to each other when Betty confronted Helen being like you what are you doing why are you coming out coming into my life again I left you that Betty and Helen they love each other they just can't be because they're lesbians and they can't have that be public, you know? And Well, they both hard. don't have anything going on and financially they can't really support each other. Yeah. So um so and then they had they share a kiss in the bathroom, which was, you know they couldn't really do that, but they did. And so it's interesting to see what will come up next for that. Um, and then um, Virginia gets a call at work, and DePaul has called her and passed out at Memorial in the bathroom. And so there again, we see their relationship becoming, like, I think I definitely agree with what you're saying, Bobby, more of like a sister um, relationship than, you know. So I'm just wondering if, um, I don't know, Dr. DePaul will leave everything she has to Virginia <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she'll be less. I don't think she has anything. I don't think she has anything either. Uh, no. Oh, really? Because all her life was about her work and becoming getting into the medical field, and then that's or, it. Or alternatively, let's think about it. If all her life is about her work in the medical field, she doesn't spend money on anything. She didn't go anywhere. Maybe she has tons of money to leave to Virginia. I don't know. No, she wants to sell them diet pills. Which, which <laughs> listen, I mean, money's not everything. There's more important parts of the story, but money would give Virginia a lot of freedom to do a lot of different things. So yeah. who knows? Maybe there is something like that. I don't know. And then um, then we see Libby um, trying to apologize and take Dr. Master's word and goes out um, when Robert is out there to pick up a coral. She goes out to apologize to Robert and Robert's like, you know what? 
The um, apology you need to be saying is the person is to the person behind you, and in even in that moment, Libby couldn't do it. She was like, "Coral deliberately disobeyed me," so it's like she didn't even really mean that her apology at all. That, it was so upsetting to see that. That's white people's inability to take responsibility for their actions, and that's true. That is a thing. That is an inability. Am I wrong? That's an inability for anybody. I As think. white people, I cannot take responsibility for any of my actions. That's true. Now that you mention it, I pretty much don't take responsibility <laughs> for me. <laughs> there you go. That's true. Robert was right about that. <laughs> or Brule. No, she's definitely not accounting for anything. And so it was, um, I don't know. So it's like if I was Coral, I definitely wouldn't show up the next day. It's like Libby treats Coral worse than, I mean. I, but I feel Coral pities Why give an Libby? apology to Libby or to Robert and not Coral? Like, but I feel Libby or Coral. Like they know there's something. Because there's another freeze out happening here. Libby is in a different way freezing out Coral. She apologizes to Robert because he doesn't mean as much personally to her because it's just a guy. Who cares? He came to my doorstep. Screw this guy. I'll apologize to him. But Coral is Libby's underling, is Libby's employee. And so Libby has to freeze her out a little bit. Coral deliberately disobeyed Libby. Mm -hmm. So Libby can't be the bigger person and apologize. No, no, no. You need to win the freeze out. Mm -hmm. Coral needs to come back and ask for repentance before I can apologize to her. I think it's something like that. And Libby's a little delusional anyways. And so Libby's going to blow this out of proportion in a different way, freeze out Coral. Remember, she didn't let Coral yeah. make the bed in the bedroom anymore, the master uh -huh. bedroom. She didn't let yeah. her make the beds. Libby's going to freeze her out in a different way from what else is going on with freeze-outs. Lots of freezing out. I do not like it. It's making me uncomfortable. It's making me a little <laughs> cold right now. <laughs> Maybe I'm just looking for it. I could be totally wrong. No, Maybe it's true. It. it is. And then, um, then we end it with um, the last scene was with Dr. Masters um, telling Dr. Hendricks, right? And Dr. Hendricks, I guess, is the head of the hospital. Mm -hmm. I don't Charles. know exactly Charles, what yeah. And he is um, tells the Dr. Hendricks that he'd be more than happy to see some of their patients while he waits for his patients to come around to the idea that he's at a different hospital. And Dr. Hendricks pushes him and has a really good talk with him. And I really like Dr. Hendricks in that moment because he was like, you cannot wait for this to happen. You have got to push it to happen. And um, Virginia was like, well, maybe you can let the delivery you know, man know or someone know. Someone's been taking down our flyers. So maybe with that being said, we'll work on that if you could work on that. And then in the final scene, we see that Dr. Hendricks is the one or one of the people taking down their flyers for their study. So it's weird. I now, think he's now the I, person taking down the yeah, flyers. now I'm thinking, okay, great. Now we've got another Doug Greathouse. Except for Greathouse wanted the study because he wanted to watch it. Yeah. It was more of a personal pleasure versus this. I Well, I mean, this will go into my prediction, but I feel Charles is using Masters and his inability, like, his power and his, feel, like, just his, oh, God, what it. Charles, his power in the field to be able like to... Like, he wants to take Dr. Masters for what he's worth, but he doesn't really want to give Masters what he wants. Yes. I, I think it's different than that. Look at this perspective from the administrator of a quote-unquote Negro hospital in this time period. He's trying to legitimize his hospital, his medicine, his work, and go mainstream and desegregate. And he has said, Charles has said, we are not men who wait. You expose them to the truth with the sex study. Mm -hmm. That's great. But if you're going to legitimize your hospital to the mainstream, to the white community, what do you not want to do? Get the crazy doctor with the crazy sex study that the mainstream community doesn't want. So Charles wants Masters because he's a good doctor. But Charles doesn't want Masters the sex study guy. Mm -hmm. So Charles but is... But that was the only way, way they could get him. So exactly. they're like, yeah, we'll do it. And so but... Charles is completely using Masters to legitimize his hospital, to legitimize his 
situation with medicine and to try to desegregate and whatever else his, his motives are. But he, he can only use Masters so much because Masters has this weird sex study that nobody really respects. So mm-hmm. if Charles gets tied to the sex study, no one will ever respect the Negro Hospital mm-hmm. because it's tied to a sex study. So Charles has to kind of do what he's doing, and I don't think Charles is right to do it, obviously, but right. that's why he's doing it. And that's totally, this is where the book is going totally fiction. I ha- or I just haven't gotten to it yet, because in the book, you know, Dr. Masters was able to, you know, um, work with a doctor that uh, at a hospital where he you know, was welcomed. And so I didn't see all this job hopping yet, unless it's about to happen. What do you guys feel about uh, Dr. Franklin having his office being replaced by the study room for masters. What do you think of that? Do you think that has, like, Dr. Franklin, do you think he knows about uh, Charles's real intention behind it all and that the sex study might not actually happen? I I think we have to know more about Dr. Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not ready to answer that question for probably another week. Okay. Okay. Get back to us (laughs) at your leisure. Bobby. Um, Okay, Bobby, I think you have some news for us. Yeah, we do. Let's do news and gossip. After Buzz TV News. So this is kind of a cool one. Variety just did a great interview with Andrew Jackness, who is the production designer on Masters of Sex. Won an Emmy last year, or was nominated for an Emmy last year. No big deal. Just an Emmy nomination. Uh, But he did have a couple interesting things to say, the first of which, you guys, is about Ulysses, our favorite prop. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He said, quote, Ulysses was the hardest prop to figure out. They destroyed all their notes and research. It was hard to figure out what to go on. We used a camera made out of acrylic, and I figured I was more capable of drawing the sketch than anyone else. And they just kind of made it, and I think it worked out all right. Um, He said, on on all the props and all the medical equipment that you see on the show, in every hospital, it is all legitimate, real stuff that at one time actually worked. He said they went across the country to collectors of time period medical equipment. Oh, my goodness. They would borrow it, you know, rent it and pay for it or whatever, restore it, make it look like it could work, whatever it is. And they have found medical equipment, so it's all legit medical equipment from that time period. I love it. Very um, cool. And he did the same thing with cars and with, you know, areas of town wanting to make sure the houses were time period, obviously. Yeah. And we know the cars, obviously, but it's kind of cool to think how many cars they had to use. Yeah. Um, and the one last thing is the interesting thing he says about location scouting. He said, quote, when you start a show, there's usually one set that you think you'll never find. And I said, I think we'll have to build a two-story operating room. Of course, that turned out to be the first set we found. Oh, wow. Very cool. I like hearing the behind the scenes. Interesting stuff. So that everything you see on Masters of Sex, and we've talked about production design before and the way sets look and stuff, and how they shoot with mirrors and everything on the set, but everything you see medical equipment-wise is legit to the time period, theoretically had been used in a hospital in the 50s, and then has been a collector's item now restored. Awesome. Awesome. And let's go ahead and go to predictions. I wanted to ask you guys, the title's Giants, so Why? Why do you think the episode was titled Giants? I feel like maybe there was a lot of bullies. I A lot of people pushing their weight around. I can see that. I don't know why this was titled Giants. Either I'm missing an obvious reason or no reason that I can think of is quite good enough. Okay. I'm allowed to ask the question. No, you are. You're absolutely right. I, I think it's a good question. I don't... Like a couple of these episode titles we've talked about before have specific meaning for the shows, mm-hmm. whether it's a little more obtuse that we have to figure out a couple of weeks ago, or like last week where it's something more obvious, but Giants, I don't know. Maybe people that are watching and listening can let us know on YouTube and iTunes. Just comment below. Let I us would know. like that, yeah. Let us know. Okay, yeah. so Roya, what do you think for next week? Prediction? Next week, I'm going to go with Helen and Betty. I'm going to predict something about them. I do believe they're going to have an affair. Their love is going to 
rekindle. And uh, because of what Helen said to Betty, which I love and I wrote it down, whenever you're feeling blue, look at that ticket and know that someone is betting on you. Oh, that's really sweet. That's really that's, sweet. That's okay, prediction. Bobby, what about you? I'm going to totally disagree with you because Get out of something here. that Betty said to Helen. When they were on the street fighting with each other, Betty said something to the effect of, I went through hell to get rid of you. I don't want to go through that again or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yes, I, I remember that. I believe that Helen and Betty are going to struggle for a little while and Betty's going to maybe want to go back to Helen. Maybe we have a little bit of an affair. But Betty is a creature who wants comfort. There's nothing stability. wrong with being superficial. Or she would have been with her. Exactly. She wants stability. She wants comfort. She wants money. There's nothing wrong with it. That's just the way she is. And I think Betty will realize not only does Jean give her all that, Jean does love her. And yeah. Betty's going to stay with Jean. Screw I, you, Helen. No, no, no. See you later. I'm just, I didn't say she was going to stay with Helen forever and ever. I just said they're going to have an affair and it's going to mm. be hot. I don't know how hot it can be. I, but I, we'll I see. believe in Betty. I believe in Betty. I think Betty does the right thing. Adoption okay. has to come up again. Yeah. Because that was didn't even get brought up after the word adoption came up on the couch. So hopefully that'll come up too. What do you think, Jenna? I think that Dr. Hendricks is going to actually join the study. Whoa. Wow. I'm just <laughs> saying us. if we're making predictions about what might happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Hendricks think- or uh, Franklin? Hendricks, the guy. The, that- the head guy? Charles the head guy. guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. He's rejecting it. But what you reject persists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what you reject persists. Oh, yeah. What you resist persists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dr. Hendricks is coming. Oh. No pun intended. <laughs> okay, then. Well, that's it for us. Thank you, everybody. Uh, if you have any comments or questions or if you want to interject at all, please um, give us a good rating on iTunes and comment on YouTube. Uh, Royal, where can they find you? Hi, guys. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HeyRoy. That's H-E-Y-R-O-Y-A. Okay, and Bobby. I'm on Twitter at Bobby DeMuro. All right, and you can get me on Twitter at Time Tweets. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 